You're not in this story. Yeah, well, we're making it up as we go. Hello and welcome to Making It Up As We Go, a Destiel fan fiction anthology podcast. We're making it up as we go. I'm your host and reader, Nerdy Nerdenstein. The story is ours now. You can't have it back. Please be warned that the stories featured can and will contain explicit sexual content and is not intended for young audiences. Today I'll be reading Ain't It Funny How the Night Moves by Astro Lass. The rating for this fic is teen and up. The pertinent tags for this fic include Castiel and Dean Winchester use their words. Castiel, Dean Winchester, first kiss. Episode 13-6, Tombstone. Late night conversations. Sex in or on the Impala. Non-explicit sex. When the world was ending, I'd hold you in my arms And we talked about the places we'd never been When the world was ending, we'd hold on to the past Cause it's all we thought that we would ever see But then the sun came right back birds sang as if nothing had happened and it's all right it's okay we will get another day to begin again to begin again to begin again i don't know how i don't know why but i know that i will try to begin again to begin again to begin Ain't It Funny How the Night Moves, written by Astro Lass, read for you by Nerdy Nerdenstein. Summary. What if the boys needed to stop overnight after they picked Castiel up from the phone booth in Tombstone, 13-6, but before they reached the bunker? What if Dean and Castiel were finally able to talk during that stop? What if Dean, after thinking he'd lost Castiel forever and then getting him back, was finally able to admit his feelings. And the kids played as if nothing had happened And it's alright, it's okay We will get another day It's to begin again, to begin again, to begin again On a Thursday night, in a cheap motel room somewhere between North Cove, Washington and Lebanon, Kansas, 
The angel Castiel sat in an uncomfortable chair and watched three slim rays of moonlight sneak through the gaps in the window blinds. It was nothing short of miraculous that he was here at all, he thought. A miracle that, out of all the angels and demons consigned to the vast expanse of the empty, he had woken up from eternal sleep. A miracle that, rather than eradicating him, the empty had simply thrown him out, back to earth, back home. He hoped that there would be answers when he returned to the bunker. He was eager to meet Jack, the Nephilim child he had pledged to raise and protect. For now, though, he was content to sit and watch the moonlight while Dean and Sam rested before the next leg of their drive. Sam was deeply asleep, sounding the droning, sonorous snores of the exhausted. Dean was not. Every few minutes, Dean would roll over, desperately seeking a comfortable position in the creaking motel bed, or angrily punch the pillow as if trying to force it to be a better rest for his head. With a quick touch of grace, Castiel could tell that Dean's heart rate was elevated, and his body temperature was not at the optimal level for restful human sleep. With another light touch, the barest of flickers, he could ease Dean into sleep, but he knew that Dean would never approve of such assistance unless he were truly desperate. Another roll and shift in the bed. More punches to the inadequate motel pillow. That was close enough to desperation for Castiel. He abandoned the unfortunate chair and took the four steps necessary to go sit on Dean's bed. Can't you see I'm sleeping? Dean grumbled without raising his face from the pillow. You are not, in fact, sleeping, Castiel corrected. You have not slept since you got into bed, based on your heart rate and body temperature. Cass! Dean's grumpiness made Castiel's heart sing with a painful joy. If this were an illusion or a trick, Dean would have greeted him at that phone booth with far more than a simple embrace. Indeed, at that moment, with Dean's arms around him and Dean's head resting so briefly against Castiel's cheek, Castiel would have sworn he sensed a profound longing in Dean for that same something more. Of course, Dean had immediately tamped down that longing, squashing it back into the cramped corner of Dean's soul where it was allowed to reside. That's how Castiel knew this was real. Dean was acting like himself and not like a dream of Dean. The real Dean, exhausted and grumpy, raised himself up on his elbows and squinted at Castiel in the dark. Okay, I'm not asleep. What do you want? Will you let me help you sleep? You gonna make me a glass of warm milk and read me a bedtime story? I'm fine, Dean objected. Castiel frowned and tilted his head. No, you're not. In the last 90 minutes, you've rolled over 25 times and punched your pillow 41 times. In the wan light of the motel room, Castiel watched Dean's face move from grumpiness to heartbreak to, improbably, laughter. He had no idea exactly what Dean found funny in this situation, but that was hardly new. Shit, I missed you so much, Cass, Dean said, trying to smother his laughter so he wouldn't awaken Sam. He rolled over onto his back and ran his hands through his hair. I just, I got too much in my head right now to sleep, I guess. You should let me grace you to sleep. I'm fully repowered. There's no reason for me not to spend a little to help you. 
Dean gave Castiel a searching look. He felt it again, that surge of feeling that he'd felt from Dean at the phone booth. He wanted to say something, but he had long ago promised Dean he wouldn't look into Dean's mind. Even though the strength of Dean's longing was impossible to ignore, he imagined Dean would consider it to be breaking that promise if he mentioned it. When Dean finally moved, he moved with decisiveness, abruptly sitting up on the other end of the bed. He began to root around on the floor for his boots. Come on, let's talk outside. Don't want to wake up Sammy. Confused, Castiel followed him out the door and into the nearly empty motel parking lot. The Impala was parked in the most shadowed corner of the lot, as far away as possible from the single unsteadily flickering street lamp. Castiel expected Dean to open the door and sit behind the wheel of his beloved car. Instead, he pressed his palms against the hood, slumping his head and shoulders as though pressed under an unseen weight. Shit, Cass, just... shit, Dean whispered. Castiel said nothing. He had learned that it was best to let Dean craft words in silence. Silence between them had long since ceased to be uncomfortable. It was gentle and undemanding. I wrapped you up. Did it all myself so it would be done right. And then, after... After... After the fire went out, I gathered up your... Your... Your ashes. Spread them in this field full of wildflowers. Near an old windmill. Real nice. Seemed like something you'd like. Seemed, I don't know, peaceful. That's where I woke up when I returned from the empty, Castiel explained. It was beautiful. Thank you. Cass, man, I didn't know. I didn't know there was any way to get you back. I would have been trying to get you home. I wouldn't have left you there if I'd thought. If I'd known. You gotta believe me. Dean insisted, eyes down, head bowed, never looking up from the hood of the Impala. The guilt was flowing off of Dean so strongly that Castiel could not ignore it. He laid a hand on Dean's shoulder, one of the few touches Dean would allow without question. Dean, I know. I don't blame you. If you'd have been able to ask me, I would have told you that nothing comes back from the empty. Dean stood up straight and turned towards Castiel, moving so quickly that Castiel had no choice but to drop the hand that connected them. You really believe Jack has that kind of mojo? It's not Naomi or Lucifer or someone just fucking with us again? The guilt was tinged with fear now. Dean was feeling things so intensely that they were impossible to ignore, and Castiel wondered briefly if he should just turn away, give Dean his privacy. But after all of these years, he owed Dean more than that. I do believe it was Jack. It's the only thing that makes sense. Since when in our lives does anything make fucking sense? Since when in our lives does anything make fucking sense? The pain in Dean's voice made Castiel reach for him again. But as Castiel's hand brushed his shoulder... Dean pulled Castiel into a fierce embrace, 
Castiel wrapped his arms around Dean and let himself indulge in the feeling of being held. I missed you so fucking much, man. Dean murmured into Castiel's shoulder. So fucking much. I was a goddamn mess. Don't you ever go dying on me again. Something damp brushed the skin above Castiel's collar, and he realized that Dean was crying. Castiel leaned his head against Dean's and whispered into his ear, I will never leave you again. Not if I have any choice in the matter. I'll hold you to that. Kick your ass my goddamn self if you leave me like that again. Endless minutes later, Dean let go, pushing back, wiping his damp eyes. Damn it, some days I wish you weren't a fucking angel. He muttered, plainly thinking that Castiel couldn't hear him. Dean's longing was still there, hanging in the air between them like the living, breathing thing Dean had never allowed it to be. Why do you wish I weren't an angel? Castiel asked, perplexed. He was used to Dean's withdrawal when they got too close, but this was new. Ah, shit. Dean dropped his eyes and hung his head, then took two shuddering breaths as though he was trying to force air into his lungs. Look, can you just forget I said that? I'm tired and I don't know what I was thinking. Dean. The word sat heavily in the silence between them. Dean, your brother is soundly asleep inside the motel room. The night clerk at the front desk has earbuds in and is listening to a song about Alexander Hamilton. There is no human being awake for 6.8 miles in any direction. No one will hear you except me. Please, say what you want to say. I wish you weren't an angel because angels don't have feelings. The words were rushed, as if Dean were pushing them past his lips before he could change his mind and decide not to say them. Castiel was surprised. I beg to differ. I feel many things. You've seen me angry. Dean laughed ruefully. Yeah, that's true. You pack a hell of a punch when you're pissed off. Still refusing to meet Castiel's eyes, he rubbed his face with one hand as if remembering one of their fights. You've seen me express amusement and compassion, Castiel continued. That's not what I mean, Dean said quietly. When I was dying after Ramiel stabbed me with the lance of Michael, I distinctly recall telling you and Sam and your mother that I love the family I found with you, Castiel said. Is that not having feelings? Dean said nothing, his eyes drifting up to stare at Castiel. The longing that Dean usually kept locked up in the deep secret places of his being was singing an aria, and Castiel could feel his grace sing in response. After all this time, after all these years, had they truly come to this moment? What feelings do you think I can't have, Dean? Cass asked, stepping in close so that they were barely two feet apart. It was as though he were standing at the edge of a precipice, deep and deadly, but requiring only a single step to cross it. Here, at last, one of them was going to have to take that step. 
Castiel took a long, searching look at Dean Winchester, the most beautiful creature he had ever perceived on this world or any other. Then he took the step. Do you think I can't love you, Dean? Because I do. In the dimness of the night, Dean's eyes were wide as saucers. He swallowed, his mouth working as though trying to form a response. Just as Castiel was beginning to fear he had made a dreadful tactical error, Dean growled, Oh, fuck it, and pulled Castiel in by his lapels for a kiss. At first, the kiss was awkward, too sudden, too rushed, the both of them too needy and desperate. Then Dean's hands cupped Castiel's face and threaded into his hair. Castiel leaned in, his arms wrapping around Dean's back. They kissed like thirsty men given water, like starving men finding manna in the desert. They kissed as though their existence had come down to nothing more than this, Dean and Castiel, finally admitting what they both felt. They fell into the back seat of the Impala in a tangle of limbed and half-shed clothes. It wasn't perfect. The back seat was cramped for two big men, and there were knees and elbows in the wrong places, and Dean, in his haste, ripped the buttons from Castiel's shirt trying to pull it off of him. Castiel already knew Dean's body on an atomic level from rebuilding it and healing it, but tonight, his hand sliding over Dean's warming skin, it was all new again. The curve of his neck, an exhilarating taste of the place where his jaw met his ear. The way Dean moaned with pleasure when Castiel licked and sucked at just that spot. The dip in the small of Dean's back and the solid muscles of his ass and his legs. Dean's large, capable hands turned gentle and tender. There was no part of Dean that was not beautiful. No part that Castiel did not want to touch and adore. Dean seemed to know dozens of ways to draw pleasure out of Castiel, and he used every one of them, until all Castiel could do was surrender to the sensations. He had enjoyed intercourse with April, at least before she had betrayed him and tried to kill him, but this was so much more. Lacking words, Dean was telling him in the only way he knew how that Castiel was loved and desired. Castiel did everything he could to give that... Castiel did everything he could to give that all back to Dean, both the pleasure and the love. If they only ever had this one night to be together, Dean should know all the things that had been unspoken between them for far too long. They clung together long after desire had yielded to exhaustion, Dean's head against Castiel's chest, Castiel's hands gently stroking Dean's sex-messed hair. In the moonlight, Castiel could see a thousand small beauties. Dean's long eyelashes, surprisingly delicate in a hunter's square-jawed face. The bow-like curve of his lips. A random spray of freckles across the breadth of his shoulders. Do you have any idea how remarkably beautiful you are? Dean pushed up on his hands, a sudden frown etched across his face. Cass, don't. Please, just don't. Not from you, too. He sounded so sad that Castiel's heart hurt. I don't understand. Dean closed his eyes for a moment, and when he opened them again, they were damp. 
Look, ever since I got out of that awkwardly gawky teen phase, all anyone's ever been interested in is how I look. Chicks, dudes, they all see the pretty face and they think that's all I am. And yeah, I used that. I used it a lot. Nobody expects the pretty boy to be able to handle himself in a fight or have a brain in his head. But you're different, Cass. I want you to see me. The real me, not just the way I look. Cass cupped his hands around Dean's face. Dean Winchester, do you forget that I've seen your soul? That was what drew me to you. Your stubborn, bright, beautiful soul, still battling, kicking and screaming against the corruption of hell. Every day I've known you, you've grown more beautiful to me, body and soul. Your body is astoundingly attractive, but it is not why I love you. Cass. Dean breathed, stumbling over things too big for him to speak aloud. Dean. He responded, I intend to tell you that you are beautiful to me, and you are loved by me every day for the rest of our lives. And, my beloved, I insist that you accept those truths. Great, you're a fucking poet, and I can't even choke out three simple words. You will, Castile answered, caressing Dean's face. In the meantime, I encourage many more physical demonstrations of your affections, he added with a grin. Even Dean could not miss that cue. He kissed Castiel gently but thoroughly, slow and intense, with just the barest promise of its earlier heat. I think I could sleep now, Dean murmured, once again nestling his head against Castiel's chest. Sleep, Dean. I will watch over you. Yeah, I know you will. Dean sighed. The end. Thank you so much for listening. I was a little too tall, could have used a few pounds. Tight pants, points, harder than now. She was a black-haired beauty with big dark eyes And points all her own, sudden way up high Way up firm and high Out past the cornfields when the woods got heavy Out in the back seat of my 60 Chevy Working on mysteries without any clues Working on our night moves Trying to make some front page driving news Working on our night moves In the summertime Some high in the sky, some We were just young and restless and bored Living by the sword 
Thank you so much for your support. I can be contacted on Twitter, Tumblr, or at makingitupaswegopod at gmail.com. If you are able, 
please go to the author's AO3 story and give comments and kudos to them for sharing this with us. The link is in the show notes. This will also be posted on AO3 as a podfic under my username, and the link will be in the show notes as well. As always, thank you so much for listening.